0: Once again, hello, everybody. I'm Gary Thorne with these Sports Rivals. It is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? As always, our purpose here is to preserve memories of classic sports rivalries, and we do it through the words of those who participated in them. We like to say that these are the rivalries that are described from the inside out. And what a delight today to have two of the great names of Major League Baseball joining us to talk about a a real rivalry. Steve Garvey was in the majors from 1969 to 1987, played with the Dodgers from 69 to 82, and went on to have tremendous years with the San Diego Padres from 83 through 87. Steve is a 10-time All-Star. He was the National League MVP in 1974 has a World Series ring from 1981, and he was a member of one of the most renowned infields in the history of baseball that featured Ron Say at third, Bill Russell at short, Davey Lopes at second, and Steve Garvey himself at first base, a four-time Gold Glove Award winner, recognized as a leader, both with the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. And uh, joining Steve is Tony Perez, Perez played with the Cincinnati Reds, two different occasions from 64 to 76, and then again in 84 to 86 when he wound up his career. In between, he had time with the Expos, with Boston, and with Philadelphia. Tony also ended up managing both the Reds and in Florida. Three World Series championships for Tony Perez, 75, 76, and 90. He had one of the most uh, stupendous RBI records of any major league player. He, he had over 100, 100 plus RBIs in a season, seven major league seasons. And Tony was voted into the Hall of Fame in 2000. Now, while Steve Garvey was with that tremendous infield with the Dodgers, Tony Perez was with the big red machine in Cincinnati. The red machine of the 70s went to four World Series in seven years. They won two of those World Series. Tony Perez was part of that great lineup playing at first base. Sparky Anderson, the manager said of him that Tony Perez was the heart and soul of that big red machine, which featured, and listen to the names on this, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, Dave Concepcion, George Foster, Ken Griffey, and Cesar Geronimo. Those were the big eight in that lineup of the big red machine. So Tony Perez and Steve Garvey joined us to talk about the rivalry that went on, especially during the 70s, between the Dodgers and the Reds, because during that 70s period in the American League West, the Reds won that division six times, the Dodgers won it three times, and the Dodgers ended up finishing second six times. So you talk about a rivalry that was hot during the 70s, it was the Reds and the Dodgers in the National League West. Gentlemen, it's great to have you with us. Let me just start a conversation. Oh, wait a second,
1: Gary. Good. Good. Tony, pay you off or what? I sound like <laughs> Avis compared to Hertz. My Lord. That emphasis on him uh, in second six times, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. I realize my place.
0: Uh, well, let's kick it off with that. Yeah. I mean, how, how hot was it and how big a rivalry in the 70s was it, Steve Garvey? Oh, absolutely. You know, y- you look at the Dodgers and the Giants rivalry,
1: going back to the boroughs of New York, and you think of that as the classic rivalry. And, uh, and of course, the, the old story of uh, O'Malley always won it, upping Horace Stoneham, the owner of the Giants, and then... Uh, letting it out that he thought he was going to go to San Francisco and Stoneham rushing out there and doing a deal for this candlestick point to be the first team out West and uh, comes back and he uh, has a press conference. The Giants are going to San Francisco. And uh, and of course, O'Malley, two days later at a press conference that the Dodgers were going to Los Angeles which caused Stoneham to be drunk for two weeks. But uh, <laughs> that rivalry went from east to west coast. But I've always said from 73 to about 84, there was no greater rivalry in, in baseball. And I know, I think Tony can attest to it too. Uh, would play each other 18 times uh, a year. 16 of them would be less than four runs. One team would have a blowout The other, as the other would. But the mutual respect, and and uh, Gary, you mentioned the the players on the Reds, and then of course with the Dodgers, with with uh, with Smith and and Baker and Monday and Jaeger catching, and you know our pitching staff and Lasorda, and the rivalry between Lasorda and Sparky made for arguably you know generationally the greatest rivalry during that
2: period. Yeah, I think it was more. Um, um, the both managers have more rivalry and uh, yeah. and the players did because we when we get to sit uh, out to to Dodger Stadium, the first thing we do is get dressed and uh, loosen up a little bit and um, and going early to watch you guys yeah. hit in the batting cage because we had to we had to chat with you guys and telling how we're going to beat you and you guys yeah. do the same you know that was yeah. the the rivalry we have but we have you know. Uh, with with Ronsay and, and and those guys, I mean that was that was great. I mean the reality was because I don't know how we play. We on the east, uh, we end up in the west division. Yeah, uh, I never right. understand that. That's uh, the question I still ask me because yeah. I never, I never, I, I never relate how so far away. We can, right. we can play you guys. I think it was bad for the Dodgers, too. They don't want the rest over there. They want San Francisco.
1: Yeah. You in Atlanta, Tony, right? Both of you guys were out in the West. and uh, right. But, you know, I think again, starting in 73, when the group of us uh, came up out of that great draft the Dodgers had of uh, Valentine, Buckner, Beshorek, Xay, Lopes, myself, uh, all kind of came together. I had been up up and down for a couple of years but 73 was when uh we finally the infield came together I was the last piece I was a wild arm third baseman and not a big uh, demand for that but I I started to keep improving as a hitter and early that year I I um all of a sudden started pinch hitting for Walt Alston and ended up pinch hitting from the third inning you know when the starter gets shelled to being the guy in the ninth inning to get up there and then uh January 23rd of 73, I, I get a, a, uh, a pinch hit against you guys. Uh, Freddie Norman used to kill us and I was sitting on the bench and he had a one hitter going into the seventh pitchers coming mm-hmm. up and he said it's one nothing. Okay. And he looked at me and he says, get up there and hit one out or at least get on somebody get on. So uh, I took Freddie up the middle and you know, you, you win. I think it was one, two, nothing. And I'm sitting in my locker uh, between games and uh, all of a sudden uh, Alston walks by and he looks at me. He says, you ever play first base? And I went, Oh, sure. Well, I played one game in little league and one game in triple a, but I wasn't going to tell him no. <laughs> and uh, he said, get a glove and play first. We're struggling against uh, lefties for the, for the reds and don't trip over the bag and get a few hits and let's see if we can split this double header. And, and, uh, first inning, first throw from Russell, goes in the hole, throws in the dirt, and I pick it, and I look at my my glove, and who I borrowed from, I think, Jay Johnstone or something, and uh, a couple innings later, I do another one, come off the bag, make a tag, hit a double, drive in two runs, and and when it's said and done that night, uh, we win, and, you know, those days, and Tony, you experienced a lot of them when everything comes together, and you make a difference, and your hard work pays off, and I'm just sitting there, and the corner of my eye, Walter Olson comes through the tunnel and to my right and doesn't stop. And I hear you're in there tomorrow. And I look at Jaeger and I said, is he talking to you or me? He says, I think it's you guard. And uh, I was in there the next day. And that was really the beginning of, of my career. Uh, you know, 15 years as a first baseman and part of that fraternity of, of uh, Tony and McCovey and all the great first basemen. you know, during that generation. But that was the start because I, I hung in there and uh, and I kept getting out at two thirty in the afternoons and I started going the other way more and making myself more of a complete hitter and and uh, I think we had something like a ten or twelve game lead against the Reds and and it started to disintegrate uh, when we went to Cincinnati and uh, your old catcher uh, I up, remember grand, that yeah remember that hit yep. the grand slam and uh, mm-hmm. and that was it for that bunch of young Dodger kids but it set the tone really for. From that point on for the next decade and uh, you know you you wonder how things come about we fi- finally when you left you know we finally <laughs> won a few divisions and that yeah, uh, is what i just talk- i i
2: thought tommy Lasorda that i said because he he come out one time and said he said to me uh, we beat you guys in 77 77- on 70, 78, we got you guys. So we thought, they, yeah, but I left in 76. That's why you did it. And I always get you know, told me about that because yeah. I wasn't there. I wasn't there when you guys started winning. With 75 yeah. and 76, no. What, what so happened?
1: It, what happened? Why did you go? They they make an offer you could refuse? I'm quite sure. Like well, the and, and,
2: and not really. Uh, uh, you know, at the end of 76 season, um, House and the general manager, he called me yeah. in the office. He called me in the office and said, uh, "Tony, if we get the right deal, uh, we we might trade you. We're we going to trade you." I say, "Well, that's that's. Well, I, I was surprised. I don't think about yeah. the winning two World Series in a row, and we team doing so good. And uh, I don't, you know. And he mm-hmm. uh, he told me about." You know, Dan Driessen, uh, the, the kid. You know, they play for first baseman sure. too. He's a good player, great player too. And he and he sitting there for two, three years behind mm-hmm. me. And, yeah. Uh, and and the red, I don't know if they want a salary because I wasn't making that much money. But they <laughs> now I we didn't make that money. much back at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 well, I made more than uh, Driessen uh, do, and and they say, well. Uh, so we get the right trade that we're going to trade you. I say, well, uh, the only thing I'm going to ask you is what I'm being a contender thing. I want you to trade me to a, a guy, to a team who had a chance. And yeah. he said, uh, contender, uh, you can make anything a contender, Tony. I said, well, why do you want to trade me? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's, it's what I say. But, you know, when they, they call me, you know, the last two years, 75-76, we win the World Series. That was fine mm-hmm. with me. But coming to spin Trend in those two years, Sparky come out to me and say, I say, Tony, I had to get dressing by at least 200 bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I say, uh, well, but, uh, you know, 200 bats, i going to sit around a lot. And it's yeah. what I did those two years. I wasn't happy at all. Yeah. I was happy because we win it. We did winning yeah. you know he was he was doing great too. He was doing good. but you know I wasn't sitting around was my what I like and I, yeah. it's like when they call me and the they trade me, i could I couldn't say no to the trade because right. I was a veteran I had the right to say no, I not want to go but but my feeling was how I gonna sit in there for another two, three or two years or whatever. You know, not playing that much. You know, yeah. Uh, as, uh, that's what I said. The trade. That's what I. They gave me a good new contract, and uh, and I three years, and and I and I signed. Yeah, you
0: know, I'm well, you know that
1: that was the old Dodger philosophy. It seems to me, and it seems like overthinking by the general manager, and, and forecasting, and and looking at a, a player that's starting to age somewhat. You know, I mean, 34, yeah. 35 back then. Mm-hmm. Is what now? 30, 31, right. 29. But you right. were still performing. You went out every day. You rarely got hurt. And uh, and and I equate it to, you know, 1982 when you know I'm I'm still productive. And the Dodger philosophy and always been, well, better to get rid of a guy a year too soon than a year too late. Well, they make me an offer I can refuse. I go to San Diego, the second year there, we end up in the World Series and Two of those three years, 83 and 85, the Dodgers lose in the playoff, and I had never lost an NLCS or NLDS. Mm -hmm. So when you overthink that, I think that, you know, once you're not there at first base and you're not getting 400 bats and and you get 400 bats, 450, you're going to drive in 90-plus runs. And Dreesen was a very good ball player. But uh, what happens when that transition comes is is now we have the emphasis – to, to have one player like yourself not be in that lineup that made the difference in us going the next two years
2: right. so uh, the, the, yeah. the thing is I, I played 10 more years of that they trade me in, yeah. 70, in 76 and i and i play i retire in 86 i mean i i, I was still you know play and and that's what you have to you know say uh, well for you they make a mistake and they did. They, they say that. They say that yeah. they didn't make a mistake when they trade me away because they didn't know I was so, you know, yeah. like it and, you know. and. Well, you were a keen. grinder. You were a grinder. You <laughs> wanted to play every game like I did,
1: oh, yeah. right? I mean, that's what All you right. did. You you right. went to spring training. You got ready to play 162 games. Yeah, you, know, you may get hurt somewhere along the line, but you were going
2: to be ready every day you know every and day. yeah that's what we used to do
1: yeah and that's what that's what great teams the the composite of just like Gary was saying the guys you mentioned for the reds comprised seven or eight guys that went out every day and when i talked when we talked about our infield and with with yeager and smith and Monday and maybe a guy here or there we had basically the same guys every day and maybe that's yeah. the difference in generations between that 70s to 90s, what I call kind of a golden era there, you know, uh, late 60s to a new millennial time of, of, of sabermetrics and, and hybrid players and, and, uh, and managing uh, mm-hmm. managing your body, so to speak, right? If I would have said to, to Lasorda or you would have said to Sparky, you know, I, I think I'll sit out a day or two. I got to manage myself better over this 162 <laughs> game. It, they would have used explicatives that we couldn't use right now on, on the, this podcast <laughs> but you know again that period there I, I'm people say well wouldn't you like to play now with all the money I said you know some things you can control some things you can't but to have played in that generation and of course I think a lot of people know the story of me being growing up in Tampa Florida and being a bad boy for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 56 mm-hmm. and for about 10 years afterwards dad worked for Greyhound and to, to be around my idols and to see you know um, young players like yourself and Pete running across Dale Navery Avenue to that hotel across from Al Langfield all the time <laughs> uh, and, and, well, we and are, people right remember We that? met in
2: 1960 Pete and myself we, we met in Geneva New York in 1960 yeah. that was a that was a how long uh, we know each other, and I'm Pete, who who got a birthday coming on the 14th. You yeah, know, that's a, yeah. He every birthday.
1: You too? No, Pete. Yeah, he's much older than you.
2: Oh no 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 no, but a year or so, <laughs> but a year only a year or so. No. <laughs> hey, roll with it. Come on. You know? <laughs> no 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 no. I'm. I'm everybody say, uh, I I come up when I come out of Cuba. I'm. I call myself younger because I I, ne- I never say my real age, but I, I I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I go, uh, I I say the right one. I don't want to <laughs> be like somebody else. And when they want to, what what they want to collect his uh, his pension, I say, I don't know. You are three years older than that. You cannot, <laughs> you, you say you thirty. You say you forty five, and now you are forty three. You cannot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you and Fernando.
1: Yeah, Fernando comes up and he says he's twenty, right? He was he was close to Social Security in uh, Mexico than he was to twenty.
0: Oh, <laughs> let, let me ask each of you uh, because you've raised the, the names here. Uh, you you played under in the case of the Dodgers and the Reds, two of the great managers in baseball history. Uh, Tony, starting with you a little bit about sparky anderson how he handled the team he certainly thought the world of you as i said he felt you were the heart and soul of that club what what was he like and what was it like playing for him
2: well sparky he came up in in, in 1970 you know he um, everybody i remember a lot of people say when they name him the manager they, they say sparky who you know they didn't mm-hmm. know sparky's name and where he come from in Cincinnati, and, but he came down, he took care of everything. He knew the team we have. We know since 1970, we got a, a great player. We didn't have Morgan yet. We didn't have uh, a, 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 uh, Geronimo or Billy Ham And so this guy come from Houston. After we trade for, for Tommy Helms and Lee May for, for that. Mm-hmm. But despite, you know, we got a good offense team, we can hit, but we need pitching. And the pitching was a problem. When In uh, 70, we went to the World Series, but when we played the Orioles on the World Series in 1970, we had uh, pitching. Everybody was hurt. We, we lost Wayne Simpson, a, a great rookie. We, uh, we won 15, 15 games, but the All-Star break, and then he hurt himself. And uh, we miss him, and we don't have Gullett yet, and we didn't have those guys yet. But Sparky knew that, and he was building the pitching stuff. And mm-hmm. we had guys in the minor league: Don Gullett came out. Grizzly came up, McAnaney came up, Eastwood came up. We started getting a better pitching, and then in '72 we trained Lee May and uh, Helms for Morgan, Geronimo, and Billy Han. The team. Was better because we got more speed in the team, um, um, better defense at second base uh, with Morgan. And uh, uh, because we had, and then we had the best central, I mean, the middle uh, infield on the lead, the best one. When you have Johnny Bench, Morgan, uh, Concepcion, and Jeronimo, that's on the middle, you have to have the best and that, that helps us. And then we got the powers on the corners, and uh, on the outfield, on and, and the, the speed was terrific. And, and Spartak, you know, the only thing he had to do was uh, get the pitching ready. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. He came out to spin training and say, he have a meeting and say, guys, we got a great team. We got four guys you have to follow. He's talking about Morgan, bench, Rose and myself. Don't try to do what those guys do. You just be yourself and, and follow them and and we and we play and we go. And because they used to take us to the backfield and spin training and we had hit and hit and hit and and we must do the hit in you know and we go mm-hmm. to the uh, to defense too. But you know we are we call them out on defense at the middle and we do in the corner we peel myself on on, on first base and third. But, you know, the offense was there, the pitching came up and then the big red machine come up because we got a great hitting team since uh, the the late late 60s, come up with a bit better pitching and then we came out to be the big red machine with everything. We got a Mm -hmm. a great team and we can can play with anybody. And, uh, and, and that was, uh, that was, Spike was so good. He knew what he had to do.
0: How about with Lasorda, Steve?
1: Oh, gosh, Gary. I mean, uh, you know, we don't have enough times or days to, to talk about Tommy. You know, we lost him uh, uh, relatively recently. Um, and, of course, Sparky a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and But the two of them, before I talk about Tommy, the two of them were, were classic competitors, yeah. you know, and they uh, – they had a mutual admiration, but they wanted to be each other, you know, sort of would come into Cincinnati. Every time we came in, starting in 74, we sell out every night. Could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, could be Friday, Saturday, oh, yeah. Sunday, and, uh, and, the, and the crowd. And then we'd go to Dodger Stadium and uh, uh, it'd be sold out. And Jonathan Winters and the, all the celebrities coming out who were Reds fans, you know, and uh, uh, but but this typified a little quick story about Tommy. So uh, he had met Jonathan Winters, knew he was a Reds fan, was going to try to convert him, And Jonathan, you know, had his own, (laughs) own uh, mind, so to speak. So Jonathan comes in, uh, cub house, got his Reds jacket on, the sword is getting on him. He says, uh, saying hello to each of the guys, you know, he's pretending he's Marty Frickett and, uh, he's killing little kitty cats and he goes, come on into my office. And all of a sudden, uh, Co guy says uh, Garv Tommy wants you to come in Jonathan's uh, doing a, doing a skit I, oh great yeah but it's, it's only 10 minutes before the game no 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 come on in quick you'll be you, okay I go in there and it, it's jammed and he's he's got this skit where he's the aging relief pitcher in the in the seventh inning and uh, he comes in with bases loaded and he's doing all this stuff and we're dying laughing and uh, all of a sudden he Co uh, <laughs> guy comes in he says, Hey, Wendell stands uh, out there. They already played the national anthem and and he's wondering where the blank are you guys? (laughs) So uh, the cleats are clattering. We're grabbing gloves. We're going outside. We've been mesmerized by this big Reds fan, taking our mind off the game. We get out there, run on the field. And Harry says, where you guys been? I said, Jonathan Winters was doing this skit. He says, why didn't you tell us? He said, I could have come up with some excuse you know, to delay this or something. A pipe would have broke. But things like that happened all the time with Reds oh, yeah. and Dodgers in Cincinnati. But you know, Tommy, he, uh, you know, kind of a fourth string pitcher in high school out of this Pennsylvania town from an immigrant family. And somehow, some way he comes up with a curveball and he gets signed by a bird dog scout from the Dodgers. And, he works his works his way through the minors as a great career. Ends up, you know, what he was zero four. You know, he, his classic line was, "If it wasn't for him, Kofax never would have made it," because <laughs> at that time, I think, if a two <laughs> or five thousand dollars bonus, you had to stay up with the major league team for two years. And uh, they signed Kofax, and the guy they sent down was Lasorda, and uh, and then they traded him. But you know, Tommy's got a hundred of those yeah John, and, John, and the times, right the times with sinatra it's it, it, Sinatra promised him if he got the managerial job he would sing the national anthem on opening day and that turned out to be 77 and uh and frank again comes through the clubhouse and they gave him a satin dollar jacket and he's got that dodger hat jaunty to the side and they they get the cart and they take him to center field and we're all there and lasorda is beaming and we're standing on the line and frank ladies and gentlemen frank sinatra oh say can you see and all of a sudden it's over he forgets the the middle stanza for the national anthem and uh we're all standing there and it's lasorda myself and bert hooten and i look at lasorda and he looks at me and he's white and bert hooten goes hey lasorda who in the heck is that guy? He says, <laughs> Bert, if you don't shut up, you won't be starting till June. And I'm crying. Oh. Those things happen all the time because he was, I called him the P.T. Barnum of baseball. And he says, what do you mean by that? I said, Tommy, nobody is bigger with in life than you are. I mean, on and off the field. I mean, your enthusiasm and Dodger blue and, and how you, you know, he was one of the first real psychologist I think of that I ever knew uh, as a manager, you know, he knew what buttons to push. He knew that that Buckner was high strung and he needed to put his arm around him. and Valentine, you need to kick in the behind and this guy that he knew that I internalized And I, you know, when I was in a slump or striking out, uh, you know, I was more, took it out of more myself. So I think one of his great skills and, and probably Sparky too was the ability to to manage these these men with God-given skills in the one great profession of their lives and to get them to, to maximum performance and then to bring them together as a team and have his teams have longevity and success. And I think Tommy and, and Sparky were were two of the best of them.
2: Yeah, two of them. I, I mean, I, I hear from Tommy Lasorda since I was growing up in Cuba. He was big yeah. in Cuba. He yeah. w- he went to pitch there. He you remember he pitched winter ball for the Irish team, and Tommy <laughs> was the. I mean, you only hear about Tommy La He <laughs> right. speaks Spanish. I mean, he, he speaks <laughs> Spanish to me all the time. He he learned how to speak Spanish in Cuba. Yeah, but he, he couldn't conjugate right.
1: We we play in uh, yeah, the Dominican. He,
2: and people people <laughs> right. know him, and I grew up when I you know when I met him. I yeah. I think I met the best thing in the world because. Uh, I I remember listening about him since I was listening to the game on radio in Cuba yeah. with my father. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was something, and, and and the people in Cuba love Tommy Lasorda. They didn't yeah. even have a they even have a song on his name. They have they have a <laughs> joke in his name about Tommy Lasorda. Hey, hey, Tony, like was
1: it, he tells a story of this big big Cuban power hitter, right? Yeah, and you probably probably Know who he is, and this guy yeah, hit told, a home he, runner.
2: Me, he told me that, but paint time, yeah. <laughs> Every time I see here, he told me that, right?
1: One. Same story, right? He's, he's got him. categories, he's got Cuba, mm-hmm. but yeah. he tells the story. Of this guy, you know, gets up there and he's flexing his muscles, and he may have hit a home runner, and he's this SOB, and he's never gonna take a cut like that again and he, he hits him and the guy comes out yeah, sort of, you know, and, and Tommy says, this guy who's bigger than King Kong comes out <laughs> and Tommy drops him with a left, knocks him out on the mound. Right. Now I'm quite sure that uh, the guy was probably chasing Tommy with the bat somewhere, I
2: believe so, yes. But that was Tommy. He, he Tommy... got
1: us in more fights in Ogden, Utah. I'd never been to fight in my life until I went to Ogden that first year, and he got
2: us in four or five fights. I mean, what <laughs> the heck Tommy, is this? Tommy was he, he shouting. Was, he was the best. I tell you what. He, mm-hmm. he was the best telling jokes and telling things about it. and. I don't want to say lie because I don't want to tell he li- he lies about him, but he put too much on it. I, I mean, he put a beard on. He, he was right. like with, like with this guy he's talking about. Um, well, like, you know, he know. had
1: he had Milton Berle and all these these uh, guys from the Friars Club in L.A. His friends, and he'd say, "I I can tell you ten jokes you've never heard before." Well, he had gone to these guys who have these big Rolodex, you know, who do these Friars Club roasts, and he was right. I mean,
2: I remember the guy's name now, Chiquitin Cabrera. That's, that's The Cabrera, that was the <laughs> name. Yeah, he was big. He was a big black guy with a left hand, I think he was too, but he used to kill a soldier. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he used yeah. to hit it well.
1: If we could find a picture of Chickadee on the ground with a sword <laughs> standing over him, yeah, yeah, I'd pay know, a lot of got money got for that one,
2: wouldn't you? Yeah, he said he got it. He hit it with a laugh. I think <laughs> that's, crazy. Yeah. that's
0: he was funny, boy. <laughs> oh, Guys, I, I told you we'd go through this, and uh, and we and you have. I mean, uh, unbelievable. We've already taken your time here. Uh, unbelievable stories. Yeah. I want to I want to ask each of you uh, just just one final question to to close us out here. Uh, just overall. The, me- the memory that you have, not necessarily of a particular incident, but of the time, the team, the people you played with, what, what comes to mind if you're asked to describe, Tony, I'll start with you, your days with the big red machine. What do you think of?
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, coming to the ballpark, you know, uh, I feel, you know, look around me, look around to see what the guys I played with. I, I believe uh, we can. And um, I ask myself, we cannot lose a game. I don't think we can beat anybody. That's that's what I think because I can. in My mind can to win a ball game, and you know, and and I know the team we have, and and that's what I that's what I think. I come on, do my job, and uh, and I'm trying to help the pitching. I, that's what that's that's what I I I was trying to do, and it's what I remember. And we know we gotta play like. You're talking about the Dodgers and, and Cincinnati. We knew we had to beat the Dodgers. They took, we want to win. And they know they have to beat us when they want to win. And that's what the rivalry was. And and but that's the the thing I must remember. The guys on my team and the guys uh, how they play and how they do everything to win a ball game. We we wasn't perfect, perfect, but we trying to do most perfect. When we play the game.
1: Steve? And I think uh, and I think the the sign of a great franchise um, is its ability and it starts really in the minor league system in the draft is to is to uh, to really understand talent understand the needs of your organization and then to systematically put together the pieces that and then of course we're talking about basically we start before free agency and options but both organizations put together this group, I would say, of probably 25, 30, 35 players over a, a 10, 12 year period um, that were brought together and they were nurtures, and they were taught great teachers in the organization. And then they were managed by Hall of Fame managers uh, and they went out with a controlled aggressiveness every night and they wanted to be to be perfect, and in, in the quest for perfection comes excellence. And eight of the ten years that the Dodgers and the Reds in this great rivalry played each other, one of those teams went to the World Series. So those two teams typified what what professional baseball at the major league ultimate level can be uh, when it's done the right way. And, and Tony, we did, we haven't mentioned one thing. All those years, we never had a fight. Maybe once in a while it was a little yelling. If, if it was sort of yelled at, sparking back and forth, it was it was a little tongue in cheek. We had this mutual respect for the way the game right. was played. They played it, we played it. Respect for each other, win or lose. Uh, that was always that you know a tip of the cap, and we'll get you tomorrow, or you'll get us the next day. That's right. But it it is is a period that if you take those two teams and you do a book on it it could be about about excellence and uh, and about the soul of what the game should be.
0: Our great thanks to Tony and Steve. Uh, tremendous insights on two really great baseball teams and two of the leaders of those ball clubs. We thank them for joining us. And a word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Head to the website, betonline.ag or use your mobile service device sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit and that's going to conclude another chapter of these sports rivals presented by bet online you can find the show at believe.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you're listening on apple podcast please be sure to subscribe rate and review the show to learn more about this episode and others please log on to the sportsrivals.com. You can join our conversation with questions and suggestions for future shows. Also, follow us on Instagram at the Sports Rivals, Twitter at Rivals underscore Podcast, and Facebook by searching for The Sports Rivals Podcast. Thank you for joining us, everybody. And as was made clear by our guests Tony Perez and Steve Garby, remember it is the rivalries that make the game.